Jesus ist genug. Jesus is enough. And I just said that in both German and English because he is the Lord of the nations. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it thereof. Welcome to Grace Walk Radio. I'm your host, Derek Lewandowski, and I'm here with my bro, my co-host, Caleb Berg. Howdy. We welcome you to today's show. Um, we, uh, our mission here is to talk about the gospel in belief and practice um, and to talk about how to live under grace in the modern world. I mean, bottom line is, Caleb, we just need to hear it over and over and over again. Yeah. I know I do. For sure. You know, actually, I had a conversation with somebody about that the other day. Um, I think it was Saturday night, this this past Saturday. Obviously, it won't be that when you hear this, but um, just, man, they were saying, you know, how much I just need to keep hearing the gospel. And I'm like, well, honestly, that's it. Like, remind yourself, remind your husband, have your husband remind you. Uh, you know, I, I, I gave the example of even amongst friends. I'm like, you know, I remind Derek, Derek reminds me, mm-hmm. I remind Nate, Nate reminds me, I remind Tom, Tom yeah. reminds me. <laughs> right. Like, it's a give and take when it comes to the gospel. Like, we, we continue to pour into each other and remind each other and then also receive when the other pours in. And, you know, it's so, it's so great to surround yourself with that. Well, and it's slippery. I mean, the gospel's slippery, mm-hmm. right? It slips through our fingers and we, we drift, we leak. We constantly need to, uh, as David said in Psalm 16, set the Lord before our eyes. And then our hearts are glad. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's a gospel practice is to, um, you know, to keep preaching the gospel to ourselves and to one another. You know, Paul wrote in First Corinthians fifteen, for I deliver to you as of first importance that which I also received that Jesus Christ was crucified in accordance with the Scriptures. I mean, you might think, uh, based on I think a lot of the teaching that we hear today that there there should be a different answer there, right? For I delivered to you as of first importance that you pray a lot. And prayer is important, not not of first importance, that you're, you know, doing evangelism or involved in world missions or that you're voting uh, for the right political candidate or, you know, the list goes on and on. First importance, Caleb, your sins are forgiven, my brother. Amen. My sins Amen. are forgiven in Christ. We remind ourselves of these things. And uh, in, in that, our hearts are glad because we realize that our starting point yeah. is that we're loved. Our starting point is that we're fully accepted in the eyes of God because we're fully righteous in the eyes of God because of Christ. Amen. We could talk about this all day. And in fact, we do. We do. We do. But we are here to talk about uh, gospel-centered parenting and uh uh, hopefully, this is our last yeah. uh, making our way through this. You know, this uh, these talking points that we have today. We want to talk about good gospel habits. Well, even what you just said. I mean, that's probably the primary gospel habit that we need to establish in our homes. Like, uh, just as we do this with each other and with our wives and 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 with uh, other friends and with the church constantly, uh, do so with our children. Remind them that in Christ, if if they believe the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If they believe that, their sins are forgiven. Amen. Amen. And yeah, we need, that's, that is something we need to constantly sow into our conversations with our children, young and old, uh, to remind them of no condemnation living, to remind them that their sins are forgiven in Christ, and in that also to remind them that the power source to come out of sin is not their own uh, merit or their own uh, wisdom 
you know, the, the wisdom of this age, you know, worldly, what is worldly wisdom? It, it's wisdom that exalts uh, humanity as the ultimate uh, go-to for um, how to figure it out, how to solve it, how to, where the power is. That's humanism. Humanism says we could solve our own problems. Hmm. We're the center of the universe. We rule our own hearts. We control our own destinies. That's humanism. Uh, the gospel is the opposite of that. It says, deny yourself. It says, depend upon God, not yourself. Uh, have faith in Christ and his work, not your own work. And so reminding our kids of these things in conversations, when they struggle with sin, when, they, when they're battling doubts, when they're, when they're uh, confronted with persecution uh, or hardship or circumstances, to remember these things is so yeah. crucial and to bring that into those conversations with your kids. Oh, absolutely. You know, and uh, it, it may feel, at first, I would say, it may feel like a little bit foreign to use this type of uh, language with your kids to be reminding them of the gospel. And, hey, kids, I just, you know, I want to remind you guys, let's let's remember Christ. Let's remember uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You know, like, that might sound a little bit foreign or, you know, when you're constantly dealing with... Uh, events in their lives or cultural things that they're facing or persecutions that they're facing, and you're constantly looking at it through the lens of the gospel, it may seem a little bit awkward at first, and, and it probably is, but um, continue at it, persevere through that, endure through that, because uh, there's no greater tool that they could have in dealing with culture. I mean, one of the purposes of this podcast is to look at culture through the lens of the gospel. Um, the reason why that's so valuable and important is because, you know, we face it, but so do our kids face all sorts of pressure from around them. You know, um, this past weekend I spoke, I shared about marginalization a bit. And essentially that means like in culture, Christianity, especially uh, Christendom as a whole, has been shoved to the side in favor of, of humanism and, and other isms and um, whatever the religion of the age is. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, we're we're now considered bigots and and hated and yeah, let's just be honest think it not strange because it's always been that way yeah uh, we're the world just, is just getting back to normal yeah we're just <laughs> kind of recycling back to what it what it was um, in a way so don't don't think it's weird um, but yeah help your kids to process things and and that that will kind of become uh, a habit in the home of like cycling back around to things whether it's culture or the the persecutions that they face and say hey kids let's talk about how we look at this through the eyes of, of the gospel. Yeah, and instead of uh, over-sheltering your kids, like, oh, i got to protect them from this and that. I got not, not that we shouldn't have some standards, okay? I'm not saying that. But uh, instead of, like, being the helicopter parent who's, you know, who's got to be there at every moment, control their environment, you can't. And, mm-hmm. and even if you can today, there's going to be a point where you can't. So a better approach is to shape their minds and their hearts and yeah. give them, uh, by grace— Give them help, give them that worldview, that gospel worldview to be able to analyze everything they're seeing and everything they're hearing. Because I don't say this to be, to sow fear or to be condemning in any way. It's just a reality. Because the world is so connected today, most kids who don't have gospel influences in their lives, where are they getting their worldview from? Their parents? Nah. I mean, maybe when they're young, but as they get older... They're going to get their worldview from TikTok and from, you know, social media. And, you know, let me tell you how TikTok works. Okay, TikTok, you go on your For You page, and let's say you see a video that 
uh, you like and you interact with it or you're interested in its topic and you watch the whole thing. There's an algorithm. It's not conspiracy theory. This is actually how <laughs> it works. There's an algorithm that will continually feed you stuff that you've responded to on TikTok. Yeah. So if someone watches a video that, let's say you're a, you know, it's, it's election season. Let's say you're a conservative and you're like, oh, I like that. Um, I like that conservative view in that video. You hit like. I want to share this with my, you know, my daughter. I share it. Um, the more you like and interact with a conservative video, the more they'll send you conservative videos. Likewise, if you have liberal leanings or you're, you're drawn to progressivism and you start liking that stuff and interacting with it in a positive way, and that's your habit, eventually you are going to have on your TikTok a community that you're interacting with that is nothing but progressive and liberal. And so you got all these young people who think that this is the way the world is because that's the only world they're looking yeah. at is a progressive liberal world because they haven't interacted with uh, – maybe they had a chance early on, but eventually their feed yeah. cuts that off because yeah. of the way the algorithms work. So same thing with conservatives where you might look and go, well, things aren't, aren't as bad as as I think because all I see on my feed is conservatism and, and uh, you know, more – Morality and, and truth, it, it, can, it can be encouraging in some way because there's a lot of that out there. But social media tends to, especially if you're a deleter and a blocker, like, oh, don't, that person's a jerk. I don't like what they said to me. I'm going to block them on Facebook. You will eventually end up with a fake world. Mm-hmm. You'll be surrounded with a community that says nothing but what you want to hear and what you believe and what itches your ears uh, for good or for bad. And... So you got all these people out there now in a quote unquote connected world, but they're not really connected. They've they've built, we've built communities around us yeah. that are single minded for good or for bad, and, and that's why I do encourage Christians don't just don't be don't delete people. Like yeah. the, you live in a real world, don't be surprised if somebody has the opposite opinion of you. So man, I've got liberal yeah. followers and friends gay followers and friends on my Facebook and Twitter. Sometimes they come at me hard, um, but I, I want to I live in a real world. So all that to say, I'm, I got distracted there. I'm sorry. As we're parenting kids, if we don't feed their minds and their theology and feed them doctrine and truth, they will get it from the world. Yeah. And that's how they'll get it, is primarily today through social media and yeah. I mean, music and movies. And again, that's just another warning of the isolationism, which we've talked about. But just, again, don't isolate your kids to the point where they can't engage with something outside of your little sheltered worldview. Um, You may try your hardest to protect them with only good things. And I'm not even saying what you're protecting them with is is bad. Obviously, you're trying with good things. But um, my fear and the way I've seen it played out so many times is that what you end up doing is built these legalistic kingdoms mm. around your pet things, whatever they are, whatever it looks like, um, maybe it's homeschool, maybe whatever, um, you know, you just isolate and therefore they can't deal with the real world rather than actually influencing, yeah. I, you know, influence them with the gospel, with, you know, some good healthy habits around the gospel rather than build fortresses and walls to keep out the boogeyman um, because eventually they're going to leave the castle. Mm-hmm. That's right. 
I want, I want to try to give some bullets here just so we're, we're clear. Um, just some thoughts on good gospel habits in your home. Number one, conversation. And as a subset of that, the family table yeah. um, is one area I think that we need good gospel habits. Number two, redeeming media. Number three, local church. And number four, um, tools, gospel resources, you know, inserting them in your home. And, and, you know, what Caleb and I have been talking about up to this point really is that conversation, building in gospel conversations when you discipline them, um, conversations around things happening in society. You know, the family table is really a big, um, a big place where I think that can happen. And, and you got to fight for the family table. And yeah. by that, I mean gathering together around a meal at dinner time. If you're involved in sports and if you're involved in activities, it's really hard to do that. So, um, you know, we, we work at that as a family. Um, we're not always able to do it, but when we can do it, we do it. And, yeah. you know, as a dad, I always bring, I always have a plan with the family table where we're talking about the gospel in some way or, or some gospel angle on something, uh, you know, going on in society, whether it's, you know, bringing in, um, uh, a news story uh, and talking about it from a gospel perspective. Uh, there are resources we use, like the Family Worship Bible Guide, which mm-hmm. was put out by um, maybe maybe Banner of Truth um, publisher. Sure. I'm not sure which publisher, but um, really excellent. But it's just a book that has little kind of quick discussion on each chapter of the Bible and then some brief discussion questions. It really doesn't take long. It can take five, ten minutes once you read the text. And uh, it's just excellent because it, it, gives, it gives a perspective from a, uh, a gospel-centered, reformed perspective on the text. Um, and, and, you know, we ask kids, what are your observations from the text? And, and literally, the whole Bible, every chapter is in the Family Worship Bible Guide, a great resource that we use uh, as a family. Is that the one authored by... Looks like Michael Barrett, Joel Beakey. Oh, is it blue? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah, you can get that on Amazon, a little uh, shop that just opened up on the internet. <laughs> you know, go support their business. Uh, yeah, I've got that on my list to, to purchase. Yeah, we don't use it every night, but that's sort of our default. Like, if we're not sure what else to do, we'll go back to the family uh, worship Bible guide and just keep going through the scriptures. And, and it also makes sure that your kids... Uh, if they don't have good Bible reading habits uh, or haven't gotten to certain stories or texts yet, they'll, they'll get to them through your yeah. family gathering. Uh, you know, we just went through the book of Genesis, and mm. my kids were shocked by some of the stories yeah. in there. I mean, some of the stories in Genesis are – they're rated R, man. Uh, but it's great just to hear those stories and discuss them. And uh, that's, that's, a, that's a funny uh, anecdote to bring up because it's like – some of the things that we're sheltering our kids from are the very things that are in scripture. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, what's one funny moment too? We we, uh, we had uh, one of my kids had a wrestling buddy come over for dinner one night, and, and we were in one of the texts on circumcision with Abraham. <laughs> and it, like the whole the whole conversation was about you know Old Testament circumcision under the law of Moses, and then the book of Galatians, and you know and. and it, you know what you guys talk about at the Lewandowski <laughs> circumcision. <laughs> I'm like I'm like hey, kid. Uh, I'm sorry we didn't plan to talk about circumcision tonight. They, they got, the Bible kind of took us there, but yeah, he, he actually got a laugh out of it. But uh, but it was good too, just yeah. to kind of go and use that as a point of discussion and, and yeah. share 
you know, the liberty we have uh, under grace in Christ from the book of Galatians. So, yeah, these are good tools. Uh, we're also um, using uh, uh, Tim Keller's uh, devotional book on the book of Proverbs. Excellent. It, it, it's mm-hmm. by date. Um, so you just go to the, you know, what we do when we use it, we just go to whatever day of the month it is. Okay, August, well, where, where are we right now? We're not in August. October, <laughs> October 29th. Um, go to October 29th and then read the verse and the, yeah. And that's a nice book that, like, if we have more of a rush dinner, that that's a little faster. Yeah. Um, you know, we've used, like, one of the things we've done recently is we're going through, um, we're just doing audiobook of The Final Battle, okay. C.S. Lewis. Nice. And then just discussing that, either discussing the story or the gospel picture in the story. Anyway, all that's been good. And that's family table stuff, and that mm-hmm. all creates gospel conversations, which I think is, um, uh, a, you know, a good habit. Yeah. Yeah, for us too, I think likewise, though we have only one one child um, who is not necessarily participating in tons of sports at this moment, um, you still have to fight for family table time. So one of the things that we try to practice in our home and, you know, as well, we're, please understand we're not trying to make laws around this. It's just these are good habits to build into your family. Uh, take them as like proverbs. Don't take them as, you know, the book of Leviticus. Right. We're not trying to put you under law in this, but um, one of the things that we fight for in our family is just um, no distraction at mm-hmm. the table. So we try to put away our phones for Chanel and I, we try to make sure there's no TV on in the background, yep. that kind of thing. And uh, just chat, you know, and then uh, in the evening when we do bedtime with Olive, that's when we're doing our readings. And we just went through the book, uh, the ology, which is a great book for adults, by the way. Um, but it's geared towards kids and it just covers almost like a systematic theology book for kids. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, Olive really enjoyed that. She really enjoyed the conversations even that came out of it. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me again. Now we're reading through a book by Kevin DeYoung. Um, I can't remember the, the name of it, but essentially it's telling the story of the serpent crusher. Mm. <laughs> and uh, very beautifully drawn and and artistic and so olive is immediately captured by just like the drawings and stuff like that but as well the conversation uh surrounding the the story it's written as a story it's not written as like in genesis one you know i'll I'll, i have to be completely honest with uh parents here um most children's bibles are actually in my opinion i'm just going to clarify that my opinion pretty terrible um yeah there's so many out there that are just Oh, they're bad. Um, uh, you know, we have several that have been given to us as gifts and we've started in them and then I've just put them away because it was like, okay, I spend my entire time correcting the theology of this, you know, kid's Bible and it's it's just not helpful uh, at that age. So, Well, and on that note too, you know, something we've taught here to to our families is don't teach your kids theological truths that they'll grow out of. Yeah. Teach them theology that they'll grow into. Exactly. So sometimes there's this, this temptation to say, well, that's over their head. So let me just kind of give this dumbed down, shallow, um, I don't know, like Nickelodeon version yeah. of, of the gospel. And um, I, I don't know, I, th- I, think it's, I think it's healthy to take a, a more robu- robust approach yeah. to, to teaching theology to your kids, even if they don't fully grasp it yet. Um, defining terms like justification yeah. and sanctification and... Um, and that's why the 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 ology the ology book um, is helpful because it is pretty robust, 
um, as well. Uh, what's the one we use by Sally Lloyd Jones? The oh, the Jesus Story Bible. Bible. That's yeah. a, that's you know highly suggested. Um, and and might I just add, it's quite all right to just read scripture to your kids. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then talk about it. So. I think that those are all good gospel habits. And you mentioned cell phones. I wanted to just say something mm-hmm. about cell phones. I don't have to spend a lot of time convincing our listeners today that cell phone addiction is a, an epidemic, uh, nay, a pandemic, <laughs> a popular word these days for a good reason. Um, you know, it's, it's an issue. And so we try to build in good habits around cell phones to break addiction and so our kids learn to part with it at times so um my brother actually introduced to me the idea of one day one hour a day one day a week one week a year Hmm. in other words you set it aside um i have not found that one week a year to really work out well for me or my family (laughs) but we we do have a habit of um the whole one hour a day one day a week idea and the way we do it is once dinner starts and we sit down at the table, the clock starts. Uh, let's say we sit down at the dinner table at 6.05 p.m. That begins a two-hour window without cell phones. Yeah. So our kids now, they'll, they're always you know, pretty consistently looking at the clock and saying, okay, we sat down at 6.05, okay, 8.05. No phones until 8.05. Between now and then, it's family time. Yeah. It's interactive time. Uh, so we're not using our cell phones. And that's become a good habit. And, um, and it's, easy, it's easy to wrap their minds around, too. Mm-hmm. Two hours once, once we sit down at the dinner table. Um, uh, we also have a no interacting with friends after 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. on your cell phone thing, unless it has to do with homework. Um, that seems to be helpful because, you know, y- you wouldn't want your kids to have a slumber party every night, would you? No. Uh, or your child to be interacting with a special friend. You wouldn't want them to come over after 10 p.m. to your house every night, would you? Okay, then don't let them have them in their room through, the, yeah. <laughs> through a FaceTime or, a, uh, you know, or interacting with them you know, through their cell phone. So that's been a good habit. And then what we do with the one-day-a-week thing is once we sit down at the family table on Saturday nights, um, we... It's no cell phones until after we get home from church the next morning. Hmm. So let's say we have dinner at 7 on Saturday. We get home, or my family gets home from, you know, let's say they go to the first service and they're home by 11 a.m. That's when they pick up their cell phones. So that's been good, just yep. to kind of break that addiction and teach our kids, you don't need this every, all the time. You can live without it. And it just kind of keeps the idolatry and the addiction of it at bay. Uh, one thing along with that... Um just another habit. I don't really have anything to add to that because mine, mine is six. So cell phones aren't necessarily the big issue there. It's more for mom and dad that the cell phones are the issue. Um, but like uh, to pick up on the last thing you mentioned about church, hmm. I think some healthy habits can be built around uh, attending church together as a family, family worship. Yeah. Um, so obviously some things change and vary depending on your church context, where you attend, um, also, some things change and vary based upon pandemic rules. So, family worship is important, and I think that should be clearly defined in the family while still guarding against legalism. Um, but I think one of the helpful things is let's 
esteem worship together as a family. Mm-hmm. So um, in the normal ability, normal context of being able to attend a church service, I think it should be talked about favorably, um, especially from dads. I think that's that's important. Like, if dad loathes going to church and gathering together with the body, the kids are going to see it as less important. Mm-hmm. Um, so esteem it. Don't don't build it into a law. So don't go. We're we're made better by going to church. We're we're made more righteous by going to church. Like you know, use gospel language surrounding the gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, we gather together because of our our identity in Christ, because of our position in Christ, and we gather together to worship with the saints. Um, we gather together to to participate in the ordinary means of grace to mm-hmm. celebrate the gospel. We go to group. Because it's a it's it's the heart and the life of the church. It's mm-hmm. it's the living room using the grace life analogy. Right. It's the living room of our house. So esteem those things so that your kids actually look forward to them. Of course, there's going to be moments they don't want to go. Yeah. Like be realistic, and then it's, you don't want to go. Yeah, it's okay. Push through that. Um, and there's grace when you don't attend. Um, but let's esteem it in a way where we show that there's a value on the gathering of, of the saints um, so that your kids don't loathe it, uh, that they come to understand uh, that it's a, a place to enjoy. I mean, there's often days when Chanel and I come home from group or from just the weekend services where we're just, we talk about, I mean, how much we enjoyed it, what, yeah. what we enjoyed about that weekend. Yeah. I want Olive to grow up in a home where um, it's an important part of our life, but not because it's a have to, uh, but because we esteem and see the value of gathering together. Yeah, and let me just talk about how to coach your kids in church services. Um, a couple thoughts there. Number one, when they're really young, um, you know, there are times when I think it's good for you to teach your child to sit still. We used to have uh, practice sessions at home where I'd put on the most boring video I possibly could, and we'd sit our child are you, down. Are you showing them videos of me teaching? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was a teacher, and I won't say who it was. Uh, it was you know, for a, a three-year-old, very boring, and we said, okay, uh, we, we want you to sit here for five minutes, mm-hmm. um, and we don't want you to squirm in a way where you're getting off the chair and and then if our child would move we'd remind them not to do that <laughs> and um and just to t- basically we'd use home as the practice and church mm-hmm. as the game you don't practice in the game right so if your kids all over the place in church that means you got to give back to the practice field and um and get it right at home before you get it right in the service so just teaching our kids to be respectful in that environment um and uh, and that, that happened at home. And then when we go to church, we're like, all right, game time. Okay, we need you to sit still right now. And, um, you know, that's how we, p- people have remarked, like, how do you, how is your whole family sitting there respectfully? I can't get my kid to do that. Yes, you can. They're trainable creatures. Um, and so uh, using your moments at home to practice that can be a helpful thing. That's one thought, just about just practically mm-hmm. little kids in church. Another thing, though, is for all-age kids, teaching our kids who sit through the sermons, like here at Grace Life, we have nursery through age four, and then we have uh, a class for uh, four to eight-year-olds. Our, our facility is pretty small here. 
Um, and then after that, the kids are in the main service with their parents. You know, we have a youth group for um, eight to 12 year olds, but that's outside of the services. So when you get nine and up, you're, you're with your parents in the service. So we teach our kids to get a takeaway. So listen in such a way to the sermon that after service, over lunch, we're going to talk as a family about the sermon. And I want to hear from each kid your takeaway. And they get excited about it when it's time to do that. All right, takeaway time. And sometimes kids will be like, can I go get my notes? And they'll go get their notes. And um, they'll come to the gathering and they'll share their takeaway. And we'll use that as a boot to discuss gospel truths and dig more into the sermon. And, and it doesn't just have to be about, you know, I'm, I'm the primary teacher here at Grace Life. It doesn't have to be about my sermon. It can be something in a worship song that affected them. Or if they were in kids' church, something in the kids' kids church that they learn. Yeah. Um, but that's been a really good gospel practice is just to kind of sermon review through takeaways in family conversations uh, after the fact. And, and I wanted to say something too about group. Even just last night, my wife and I were leaving. We, we uh, were part of the leadership of a, of a community group. We call them grace groups. And we're leaving the parking lot last night because we have it here at the church right now just because of space and social distancing. And I said, Heidi, it's the same every time. We drag ourselves in here. Yeah. Neither you or I wanted to come. <laughs> we're tired. And we were complaining on the way in. And, and um, it's the same every time. And then we're encouraged during group and, and we walk out encouraged. And, and uh, we have to understand that about groups for you and your family and attending church is you might call it a difficult pleasure. Um, it's, it's not always easy to pull off, but it's always rewarding. And there's a cumulative effect of that, yeah. right? So it doesn't necessarily mean that every week or every group is going to be awesome. But just like eating food over time, I know I'm alive, or I, I know that I ate a year ago because I'm alive today. Uh, I don't remember what I ate, so the sermon doesn't always have to be like, you know, a, a summer blockbuster movie entertaining. But you need to partake of the gospel, gospel food, gospel meal, gospel manna, and keep feeding on that, and over time... It brings health into your life and your family as you hear it and, and mix it with faith. Yeah. Well, that's good. You know, and, and sometimes with the little ones, maybe maybe you do experience this. I know I've experienced it. Some of the times that we complain about going is because it's tough to get, you know, Olive's better now because she's getting up there where a lot of the things she can do on her own now. But like when she's two or three, it's like, oh, get her dressed you know, change her before we go, you know, obviously that's even younger, but you know, all those things, like it, it was a chore to get mm-hmm. out the door. Yeah, that rhymed. Nice. Um, nice. Let's a song about it. Chore to get out the door. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you have musicians and songwriters <laughs> talking. Um, you know, now it's probably more of a chore as adults to get out the door, but um, that's for another discussion. <laughs> You know, it, it's a little bit easier, but you know, some of the complaints have to do more so with that. And yes, it is a challenge to get out the door. We we get that. Yeah. Um, so it's not to say that it's just easy and wonderful and oh, just we're done. We we made it. We made it to church. You know, you know the sun is shining and everything's perfect. It's not. We we know that. So you know, it's more about the value you place on things and the 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 and, and don't. Don't take me wrong again. It's not trying to build legalism. It's just more about um, 
what, what place it has in the home yeah. and and building the context where gospel conversations happen and your kids are seeing the value of these things. And, I mean, let's just be honest, part of parenting is that you're just trying to raise children who can function in society. Mm-hmm. And children function better in society learning how to listen to things than those who don't. Mm-hmm. And so just on a pure aspect of, like, simple, like, you're trying to raise m- normal humans who can function mm-hmm. it's it's probably pretty good for them yeah yeah no that's all that's all good i appreciate you sharing that caleb and um you know we're talking about conversations yep. in, in the family table uh lo- local church and the role of the local church uh, and in that just want to say the goal and i think the philosophy of family and church is never that the church should replace the family when it comes to discipleship right but that the father and mother see themselves as the primary pastoral staff mm-hmm. and theologians for their children. Yeah. And um, I think it, it goes south when we think the wrong way about that, when churches are like, give us your kids and we're going we're gonna to win them to Jesus for you. Um, that is lazy parenting and should be repented of. Uh, parents should take their place in their home to lead the spiritual development of their children and not, you know— offload it and outsource it to the church. So let's understand what the church is and is not. The church comes alongside the family. Yeah. Youth groups come alongside the family. Kids' ministries come alongside the family. And I think work best when the parent is deeply engaged in their yeah. child's spiritual formation and shares in that experience through dialogue and debriefing uh, you know, those, those experiences. So Agreed. conversation, family table, uh, local church, uh, redeeming media. We've talked about that in previous podcasts. Just the whole idea of, you know, using culture as gospel conversations. Uh, watching a movie and after the movie, you know, whenever I take my kids to a theater pre-pandemic, we'd be driving home and I'd say, "Okay, what was good in that movie? What was bad in that movie? And do we see any gospel pictures in that movie?" And just such great gospel conversations after watching like a Marvel movie or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Frozen Two. Um, and able even to criticize the parts of it that were humanistic, because that always shows up with, you know, if an unbeliever makes a movie, it's going to show up, but doesn't mean I can't, I can't sanctify a lot of that movie, you know, for the glory of God. So, uh, redeeming media, yeah. uh, you know, any way we can through those conversations. And then, um, and then finally, just resources, tools, mentioned some of them already, you know, family worship Bible guide or... Uh, we use the New City Catechism, you know, mm-hmm. the app, and there's a kids, right on the app, there's a kids version of that that has yeah. shorter answers and songs to go along with it. It's awesome and, uh, you know, really helpful, uh, you know, to to help teach your kids the gospel. Any thoughts that you have on that? Uh, I had a another one to add into that before before resources, but as far as resources go... Um, I've I've found both of those things to be excellent, as well some music resources um, because I do think that um, having a home where you know music that glorifies God is important, and, and we've already had the conversation of redeeming music, so don't need to go there. See episode three and four, um, but I think uh, the Gettys have made some great children's albums, especially for the younger ones. Uh, where they sing hymns and and all that good stuff, um, as well. I believe Sovereign Grace has put out a few kids albums, um, and like you said, the New City Catechism in the 
app has the kids section, but they've also released all of them on a series of four CDs. Oh, so beautiful. you can actually find them on Spotify. Is if that you, right? If you have Spotify. So um, I also have downloaded them because I think for a while they had them available for download for free. Um, maybe they still do, but I downloaded them and I have them on my daughter's iPod. So nice. Um, I have one of my old iPods that I put in her room at times and uh, it's been really helpful for nap times back in the day when she was taking naps. Um, as well, um, other resources that I can think of, um, I don't, maybe just again, an urging of caution of the resources that you do find. Yeah. Make sure that you're not a, a, you know, just casual observer, uh, casual consumer in, in regards to Christian culture stuff. Not every Christian movie is good. And by that, I just mean theologically good. Not every Christian cartoon is, is great just because it says Christian on it. And likewise, just again with the Bibles, like don't thoughtlessly read it to your child because you may inadvertently be teaching them just some really bad legalism stuff, you know. Um, it's just not not good. So as you're reading these things to your kids, maybe a little bit of a, uh, a reading of it before you're reading it to your children, or if you find something as you're reading it, um, maybe go, yeah, that... That wasn't worded so good. Hmm. What we need to see in this is, right. you know, that's one of the ways that I've been able to do it. Um, I, even at times as I'm reading it, maybe changing the words. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't work so well once your kids can read, but, um, you know, just make sure you're paying attention to what you're feeding your kids in that regard. I actually would probably put a higher value on making sure that the Christian resources you have are good yeah. than I would, you know, trying to keep my kids away from Disney movies. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole lot easier to... to yeah. recenter a, a Disney movie than it is to recenter a book that has Christian on it. Yeah, uh, and, and let me, I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with a disclaimer. Um, I, I love Veggie Tales. Okay, I love Veggie Tales. But Phil Vischer actually apologized or mm. repented, I'm not sure how he would express that, for that season of his life and what he was making. He was, he's the kind of the, the founder and yeah. um, what's the word, author, producer, creator, of, creator, yeah. creator of Veggie Tales. He said, because it was moralistic mm-hmm. and it wasn't gospel centered and he's grown in his own theological wow. you know, catharsis. And so it's funny when he said that, I thought back and I'm like, yeah, y- yeah. Like it really doesn't terminate on yeah. Christ and it, the cross every time and grace as yeah. the source and of all sanctification and, you know, it it does fall short a little bit there. Yeah. I don't want to say throw it out. You know, I, right. I think as a gospel centered parent, I can absolutely uh, say, yeah, "Watch yeah. this," and we talk about it. You know, when we're talking about taming the tongue, as there was only one who ever yeah. tamed the tongue, it was Christ. And so, it just take some him. active parenting, yeah. some intentional parenting there. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the the hard part. Like you know, uh, being a parent means to be guarding the gospel and. and and not because we need to protect or defend the gospel, but but because the gospel is slippery, we need to constantly make sure that we're giving the gospel, mm. the true gospel, to our children. Um, th- there's this saying that goes around that most of kids' ministry is teaching kids things to do. Obey mm. your mom and dad. Make sure you clean your room. Mm-hmm. Be like Joseph. Mm-hmm. Be like 
Jonah. You know, don't be like Jonah. Um, <laughs> and then you get to youth ministry where it's don't do this, don't do that, don't drink, don't cuss, don't mm. smoke, don't, you know. And then we wonder why when our kids become adults, they can't live for Christ. Mm. It's because we've never given them the gospel. Mm. And so let's make sure that that's the center of our homes, that the gospel is. Yeah, um, back to music, this, just some thoughts I wanted to share on that is uh, practically, like, my son Reese is like an old soul, like when it comes to music. Um, he loves 1970s music. Uh, he likes singer-songwriter folk stuff like John Denver, Gordon Lightfoot. Um, so as a parent, I want to make sure that he's got good, worshipful, Christ-exalting, you know, gospel-centered music too. So. I take his Android and I download a couple artists, albums, folders of Christian music. I just put it on there. Mm-hmm. And guess what I'm hearing, you know, through yeah. in his room a lot is, you know, he's connecting. This has, you know, been going on for five, six years now since he's kind of had his own uh, Android. Um, is just, he, he's hearing a lot of that music is, it's a soundtrack of his life now, yeah. you know, and, and he's, he value a Keith Green song comes on, not that Keith Green was always like gospel centered, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, there's some stuff there that can really stir your heart, your affections for Jesus. And I want to put that on there. Yeah. One other I, idea with songs is um, I use songs as a sila, you know, that word from the Psalms mm-hmm. that basically means pause and think about it. Um, so I'll share something at the family table and then I'll say, all right, I've got a song now. I want you to hear this song, which sort of amens what we just talked about or demonstrates what we just talked about. And uh, most of the time, it'll be a worship song or a Christian song. But there's been other times when I've used like, uh, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And I've said, okay, this song illustrates the hopelessness of nihilism, you know, of just nothing matters and just Mm -hmm. living in a universe where there's no God and and where you've given yourself over to hedonism and pleasure. Listen to how hopeless this song is. And, you know, that song is almost like a, uh, you know, a rock track musical all jammed into like, what, five or six minutes. Um, you know, maybe you don't have a conscience where you can do that, you know, if, if you're listening today. Um, we're able to sanctify that and say, this is, this is a life gone bad. Listen. Yeah. And so they hear it now and they see it through a gospel lens. And so, you know, having song, using songs as a selah, you know, can be uh, can be a cool thing too. Yeah. So the one thing I was going to throw in there as an additional habit um, that I think is very important is just carving out time for your kids, uh, especially this idea which I've I've picked up from you, Derek, is the idea of you know dating your children. Mm. Uh, so daddy daughter dates are a routine thing in the calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously during quarantine that look not quarantine but the the social distancing mm. period of shutdown. Uh, that looked a little different. Mm. Uh, maybe it meant we just went outside, just her and me, you know, whatever. Um, so usually I let Olive pick where we go. So uh, this is an area I need to do better in because we spent a lot of time at Tim Hortons. Um, and because of recent dental stuff, I need to do better with that. Uh, but, you know, we just get a chance to go out and and just spend time together. So dad's put the phone down during that time. You know, <laughs> like when you're out, like actually devote your time right. to your daughter uh, or your son during that time. Um, but I think like that's a habit that, again, doesn't come down to the children. It actually goes to the parents. Mm. Um, build those habits in. Yeah. And again, give yourself some room to fail. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, it's important. You know, it's yeah. important for them. They're going to remember those times. Um, and I think that actually ties right in with leading with love. Yeah. Um, those are valuable moments that mm-hmm. you have with your kids. Don't be too busy for yeah. those things. Yeah. You know, it's the old thing where the guy in his deathbed never said, I wish I worked more. You know, so he's always thinking about the time he didn't spend with yeah. his loved ones or his kids. Or um, That's a frequent regret. And um, so, you know, take take note, pay attention to that and build in sacred times with your kids. And it can be different from season to season. Life changes, rhythms change. Right now, what I'm doing is uh, Friday mornings, I'm taking either all my kids or one of my kids out before school to Dunkin' Donuts yeah. and just having a little time with them. Uh, there's been other seasons where it's been every Friday night, I'll take one of them out on a date or several of them out on a yeah. date. And uh, that's been such a uh, you know, such a such an important and precious thing. And one of the things we do as a family too is uh, every year, uh, our kids take turn with parents, um, with mom and dad, taking an annual overnight. Uh, help, we'll help them pick a spot, and we'll go out. You know, just me and you know, like I took my son Reese on an overnight fishing trip uh, last year, two years ago. Uh, it was awesome. Just to put the tent out by a river and put the canoe in the water, went fishing phones were away we just mm-hmm. had fun together you know and spent and, and of course in that there's gospel conversations and you know and all that so uh well that's a lot uh yeah hopefully we've shared some things that uh that have helped you do, you know don't, don't listen to this and go man i gotta do all that no 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 <laughs> you hopefully you know take something from the, this conversation that you can implement uh joyfully and cheerfully in faith and, and it'll bless you and your and your and your family and your kids and and, and the goal is to, you know, to, to be a means of grace to them and to, to play a role in uh, seeing them come to Christ. And, you know, it's like that song we've been singing at church says recently, uh, you know, lead them to the shoreline. Mm-hmm. Lead your kids to the shoreline. Uh, it's the old thing. You can lead them to the horse to water, but you can't make it drink. In some ways, that's, that's what we're doing as parents. Like we lead our kids to the gospel waters, and it's really between – uh, them and the Holy Spirit for them to really drink that into their hearts, and that's what we pray for. Because again, this is there's a supernatural thing happening here. It's not simply good parenting. It's it's election. It's yeah. it's God's sovereign power working in all this, and 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 that's that's where we step back and we say, Lord, help them to drink in the water of life, and help them to eat of the bread of life, and to take this in down deep into the deep places of their hearts. So. Uh, well, with that, we've wrapped up our gospel-centered parenting uh, portion of uh, discussing parenting. I'm not sure did we did we wrap up the whole parenting series? Maybe we did. Maybe we did. We'll we'll see we'll next find week. Out. So uh, let's pray and and uh, and then we'll be on our way. Father, thank you for those who joined us during this podcast, and we pray that they'd feel encouraged, not discouraged. We pray that their faith in Christ would would rise, not their faith in their merit or wisdom or abilities, but, Lord, faith in Jesus Christ and Him crucified and in the Word of Christ uh, being given to our kids. Help us, Lord, to make the adjustments we need to make to radically reorient our lives, if need be, around uh, being gospel-centered parents and and leading gospel-centered homes. And uh, just give grace to the hearer, Lord, that keep them away from the temptation of uh, condemnation or legalism and help them to walk the gospel way, the ancient path, and uh, to lead their kids in it as well, and to trust you, always, always trust you to be working in that. 
bless them, we pray. Bless their homes. Bless their relationship with their children. Heal uh, broken relationships where there's bitterness, where there's uh, pain, Lord, where there's, where there's distance. We pray that you'd close that distance. Tie those heartstrings and bring families back together. Turn the hearts of the fathers to children. Turn the hearts of mothers to children. Turn the hearts of the children to the father and to the mother. We pray bless uh, them and bless, uh, Lord, the time we've had together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Crucified.